Man, you guys came ready to worship today. That was awesome, awesome, great singing, great praises, and I hope if you're going through the storm that you just sang a little bit louder today. I remember uh, when we first introduced that song early on, and I think we still had some connection cards. Uh, I remember we got an anonymous card back on a Sunday. Anonymous cards are always interesting. That's why we got rid of the cards, by the way. Um, no, but we sang that song, and somebody said, can we sing a little quieter? <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> well, we appreciate it. It's a house full of worship, and I love hearing the voices. I love when we're worshiping, we hear the voices and, uh, and, and just all joining together in worship. It's awesome. It's great to be in this place together. Thanks for joining in online as well. And today we continue our series, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. Fewer Regrets. Have you ever done anything you regretted in life? <laughs> Have you ever made a stupid decision? Have you ever done anything dumb? Something that you kind of wish, but you go back and go, man, um, why didn't I see that coming? I wish I would have handled that differently. Or have you ever seen somebody else do something stupid and you kind of go, oh, what were they thinking, right? Well, here we got a couple of clips. Maybe you uh, can relate to some of this. We've all been there. We've all done some things. We've all made some decisions that uh, we later regret. Sorry, I'm in the dark now. But uh, you guys just wanted to play along back there, didn't you? Wanted to be a part of. Wanted to be a part of that. Oh, that was probably my fault. I changed a slide around, and it probably had a light cue on that. So I'll, I'll own that one. Sorry, Mark. That 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 one's on me. Um, well, I'll just tell a story in the dark. Oh, all right. You guys are good. <laughs> But I do, you know, it made me think back as I was thinking about what are some dumb things or things that we've done before. I remember when Shannon and I were uh, earlier in our marriage, we were uh, expecting our first child. Shannon was pregnant with Miana, and um, it was wintertime, and it was a day like this. And when I see a day like this, to me, it's wonderful because it signals having fun in the car. Anyone else? No, seriously, like this is like, I mean, like I'll go out separately because it's snowy and I'll find like fun places to do donuts and to like, you know, try to drift, you know, drifting and doing all that kind of stuff. I still do it. I'm 50. I still do it. I love it. Um, and so back then I was doing that. I had my car and it was a five speed and had a, had a handbrake. And you know how to, you guys all know how to drift with a handbrake, right? Right, right. So you pull the handbrake, the e-brake, and, and the fishtails the back end around, and I would always do that. And Shannon hated it, and she still does to this day when I do stuff like that while she's in the car, right? So I try not to do that too much when she's in the car, but when I'm by myself, I have a lot of fun. Well, we lived out a little bit more, just out of the city a little bit, and there was this beautiful turn, like, you know, had a 90-degree turn, and I just, I mastered this thing. I knew how to do it, and Shannon was always telling me, don't do it. You already know where this is going. <laughs> so one morning, I, I, uh, I got up, I was leaving for work, and, and it had just snowed, and I was just going to drift through that 
turn, and I pulled that handbrake, and oh, it was so beautiful, and I just brought that back end around, and it kept going around, and boom, and I got in the drift, and I was stuck, and I had to have the humiliating phone call of uh, calling Shannon, who was on bed rest, uh, by the, <laughs> to say, can you please come and bring me a shovel and, uh, and help get me out of the ditch? And she came and we got out of the ditch. So anyway, we all do stupid stuff. And so leading into that, today we're going to talk about the maturity question. You may question my maturity when I do that kind of thing. But we're going to talk about the maturity question. What is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? When we're facing life decisions, how do we um, make good decisions? And so we're in a series called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, as you know. And uh, we're looking at five major questions. As you're looking at life decisions and and thinking through what, uh, you know, how do I approach this? How do I live the kind of life that I live with fewer regrets? These are the questions we've been working through. The first week, we looked at the integrity question. The integrity question is, am I being honest with myself, really? Right, remember, we begin with honesty with ourselves. Why are we doing and choosing the things that we're doing? Am I honest with myself, really? The second was the legacy question. What story do I want to tell? Think about your life. Think about where it's going. Think about that you don't want to be a liar for life and hide some things. You want to be able to live a story and tell that story well. What story do you want to tell? Last week, we talked about the conscience question. The conscience question, is there attention that deserves my attention? Have you been leaning into that this week? If there's something that alerts you in your conscience, God uses that to help guide and direct us that we lean into that and really say, I want to make a decision where I can live with a clear conscience before God and man. And then again, today, we're going to look at the maturity question, what is the wise thing to do? So as we begin today, because we want this to be a helpful message and a helpful place to help you in your life, what is a major decision you might be facing right now? Is there a major decision or even a smaller decision that you're wrestling through right now that you need guidance on that you're maybe not sure which way to go? Granted, there are seasons in life where you have big decisions, things that, that really take the weight of a lot of time and thought, and other times there's, there's smaller things. In our life right now as a family, as a whole, Shannon and I don't have like a major decision we're facing at this time, but we're walking through a major decision for our oldest daughter, Miana. She's graduating high school from, from uh, Dublin, Scioto, and t- we've been talking a lot over the last year. What's, what college to go to and uh, what to major in? And those are major life decisions, and we need wisdom. What are you facing? I know times in our life we've made decisions about, you know, job changes or church, you know, transitions, or we've made decisions about, you know, where do we go on vacation? (laughs) But, you know, do we buy this house? Do we live in this neighborhood? I mean, financial decisions, family decisions. Maybe you're facing a decision with what to do with with an elderly parent. Maybe you're wrestling through a decision with what to do with one of your children or a relationship that's strained. You've all kinds of decisions. We need wisdom. So hold that in your head, and today, by the time we're done, I'm going to walk through some things that um, will answer how do we make a wise decision. So if you're taking notes today, I'm going to encourage you to take those out and uh, record those, and some of you are forgetting that you forgot your journal, or remembering you forgot your journal at home. So we have these journals for sermon notes. There's a lot of good stuff here today. But what makes a good decision? Let's just start going where many of us start. Some of us think, well, it's not making a bad decision, (laughs) It's a different question, right? It's not making a bad decision. I want to make a good decision. I'm not going to make a bad decision. As long as I stay out of trouble, as long as nobody gets hurt, as long as I keep it legal, as long as nobody gets caught, as long as it's not technically a sin, the Bible doesn't really address this, so it must be okay. God forgives, right? Do you see what I'm doing? You know, see what's happening? We're just like, we're, we're, we're moving down saying, I don't know, is that at least, you know, legal or moral? We're, we're, we're lowering the bar. 
And what happens to us in life, so many times we just, we, as human nature, is I want to get as close to the edge as I can. I want to get as close to the edge as I can. We think in terms of as long as I don't go there, that's bad, that's falling, that's hurting. How close to the edge can I get to morality, to what's ethical, to what's biblical, what's theological, what's legal, all these different things we're, we're processing. And we want to see how much can I get away with. But the problem is we're asking the wrong question. We're asking the wrong question, and we're asking, is there anything wrong with this? That's the wrong question. We want wisdom. We're not looking at that, and I think many of us who've lived a long time, we know that, but I think sometimes in our youth and, and whatnot, or if we want to get away with something, then we ask the question, is there anything wrong with this? And we try to often justify what we're asking. Do you realize an option can be both not wrong and unwise? <laughs> right? It can be not wrong, and it can still be very unwise. And what happens is we get to the edge, but soon we start thinking, how far over the edge can I go? If we start thinking those ways, how far over the edge can I go? And I know, I would like to say that probably the majority of us have been in this situation, and we do this maybe frequently. Have you ever thought about speeding? <laughs> right? There's a speed limit. What does that mean? That's the line. That's where the government says, that's the line. That's how fast you should go. And what do we do, some of us? You go over, right? Or you set your speedometer right at that. If anyone goes slower, you're annoying. Speed it up. Do some handbrake e-drift turns in the snow, please. You know. No, but say, how far can we go? How fast can we go? Can we go four over? Maybe five. Are you an even number kind of person? Oh, I know. With the speed limit of 70, you go 78, right? Just, they won't write. So we think, how far over the line can we go? And we're trying to get away. But in life, we make decisions. How far can I go before I neglect something important? Before it begins to impact other people? And we start heading down that line. And if we live right on the edge and we're waiting to go over it or just how far we can go, that's not a good place to live. Think about a toddler who's crawling by a pool. If you're seeing a toddler crawling near the edge of the pool, how do you respond? I think every one of us here goes, oh, we're, for, here's the mom where you just run and you grab the kid. Why, why do we panic? Because we can see it in, a, in someone else's life. We can see it in a toddler's life because there's danger there. But at the moment, they're still, they're still dry. Right? They're still on the, why, don't we, why isn't that okay? Because we understand living close to the edge, living close to the line, there's trouble. There's danger. And so we have to think about in life, we have yellow lines and yellow lights. We have yellow lines and yellow lights, right? Do not cross. And some of you, you see that as an invitation, don't you? <laughs> Rebels. Do not cross. There's this line. And, and we walk up to it and we think, realize yellow lines are there for a purpose. Think about, right? Like stay behind the yellow line when you board a roller coaster or if you ever get on a train and a platform. Or on a street, the yellow line, where is it drawn? Is it drawn right on the edge? It's always drawn a little bit back, right? It gives you a little safety zone. The, ed, the yellow line on the side of the road, there's a shoulder after that that gives you a little bit of room, a little bit of margin for air. Yellow lights on the car versus red lights, right? I just found out recently that teenagers think those yellow lights are emojis. Have you noticed that on the car, the little warning lights? Teenager asked her dad, Dad, why, what do these three emojis on my car mean? <laughs> Yellow lights are a warning. You don't deal with the yellow light, eventually something bad's going to happen. You're going to run out of gas. You're going to get stuck. So we need to create that margin. We need to create that space. And we need to create places for us to not have these decisions that lead us to regret. So we need to create that, that, that boundary. So we ask the maturity question, what is the wise thing to do? Now, don't confuse wisdom for being smart. There can be smart people who are still unwise. Now, smarts and intelligence are important. They're a good factor. They help you evaluate things, they help you process things, they help you see, you know, you know what, what you're looking at, but they don't necessarily mean and that, that you'll make a great decision. 
So let's say you need, uh, you, need uh, you know, you, you kind of want a new car, it's time to, to upgrade, you, you want to change cars, and so you go to the dealer and you have the option of getting uh, this car, you know, with the same car, either 5% um, interest rate and, you know, 60 months of payments, or you can put like three, you know, zero down, or you can put 3,000 down and you'll get a lease and it'll be lower payments. What's the wise decision? Do you lease? Or do you buy the new car? What's the wise decision? Well, if you're smart, you try to sit down, you crunch the numbers, and you might say, leasing's better. You might say, buying's better. But neither of those might be the wise decision. The wise decision might be to leave the dealership, <laughs> to not buy a new car, right? You can be super smart, you can have it all figured out and justified, but the wise decision might be, you know what, just, re- just, just put the 500 bucks of repair into your car and drive it another three years. You'll be fine, right? So wisdom isn't always just smarts. Wisdom isn't always just having it all figured out. Wisdom goes further, and, and the dictionary even describes wisdom this way. It says it this way. The quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Right? It's not just knowledge. It's experience, what have we done in the past. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's knowledge. And it's um, having that good judgment, being able to discern what that is. So we're going to look at it, though, from an even deeper perspective because the Bible gives us the source of wisdom. And how do we look at the world through the biblical lens and how do we make wise decisions? If you've been following along and if you've been reading a chapter of Proverbs a day throughout the month of uh, January, you realize the Bible talks a lot about the wise and the foolish and making good choices, these Proverbs. So today we're going to look at, though, we're going to look at a passage in Ephesians. I've got lots of content for you today, so get ready, buckle up. Here we go. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. So let's break this up and we'll look at these, the, this passage a little bit. So be careful how you live. As parents, what do we often like to say to kids when they leave the house? Be careful, right? It's a common mantra. Be careful. Now, be careful can mean to be cautious, but it means to be full of care. Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't do something foolishly. Don't jeopardize your future. Think about what you're doing. Give care to what you are about to do. Don't disregard others, right? Like, pay attention to what's going on around you. It doesn't mean you can't have any fun. It doesn't mean you can't take risks and do those things, but be mindful. Be aware of what you are doing. So be careful how you live. Paul's writing to Christians. He's saying, as you approach life, Be careful. Go into it with eyes wide open that you know what you're doing. That's what wisdom does. Then he says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. The Bible says a lot about fools. And today you say, call someone a fool, or you think about fool, it's like, that's kind of a harsh word. A fool. Somebody who's not making wise decisions, who doesn't have good judgment. They're lazy. If you read through Proverbs, they're lazy. They're unmotivated, distracted, selfish, wasting life, just kind of going wherever whim takes them. They're drifting here and there. There's no regard for others. There's no regard for God. And he says, don't live like that. Live with wisdom. Live like those who are wise. And then he comes to this next point. Make the most of every opportunity. So if you look at this situation, don't act thoughtlessly. Give it careful thought. Give it attention. And make the most of this opportunity. Every decision, as we're talking about the series, Making Better Decisions, we have these opportunities. And these opportunities are decisions that will shift and change the tra- trajectory of our lives. So at every decision point, we have an opportunity. What do we do in that moment? And do we make the most of it? I venture to say, and I know I, I didn't make the most of every opportunity in this past week. 
You know, there's times where I just wanted to sit in front of the TV and watch for a bunch of hours. Anyone else? Think about the wasted opportunities. What else could I have done that day? What did I put off? What projects? What things are you doing, you know, that, that, that you're not giving your attention to? How are you wasting opportunities that God has put in front of you? Being selfish or, or reconciling with somebody. Or, we have so many different ways that we waste opportunities. Think about over the years of your life, if you could get some of those wasted opportunities back, how much more money would you have? <laughs> I think we'd all have a lot more money, right? How much more time? What new skills would you have acquired? What, would you have, what, what new experiences and adventures would you have taken in? These are the new opportunities that, that we miss if we don't lean into those moments and make those good decisions. And we can look back and say, oh, here's all the wasted opportunities. But Paul is saying, okay, that's past. Look forward. Now you have new opportunities. How do you live going forward? When we look at those wasted opportunities, you can look back on your life and maybe you see it as like you paid tuition, Right? Some of you paid a lot of tuition to learn a lot, right? We paid a lot. We learn from those mistakes. We take those things and we go forward. But here's the why. Why should we make the most of every opportunity? He continues, in these evil days. In these evil days, why, why is that important? He's saying we can't afford to just kind of blindly go through life, kind of just mm, going with this whim and going with that whim, because what's happening around us in our culture and our world is something that's going to lead us astray. We read in Proverbs that sometimes, you know, the, the admonition in the beginning was don't, you know, was don't go to the, past the immoral woman's house. Don't even be tempted. Don't even go near. But you know what we know to see today is temptation finds us. Trouble finds us. Trouble's knocking on our door. We don't even have to go looking for it. It's in our pockets. It's in our phones. It's on our TV screens. It's on our laptops. It's all around us. So in these evil days, how do we make the most of these opportunities? Why? Because we don't want to be led astray. We don't want to go down the wrong path. Why? Because we want to make a difference in this world. We want God to use us. We want to shine a light in this time. So we have the opportunity to bring the good news. And then he says, verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. We have these opportunities. Don't just give it no thought. Don't be foolish. Be wise. And here's the question. What does the Lord want you to do? God, what do you want me to do? How should I handle the situation? What's the right approach in this moment? We ask and we go, God, I need to understand. I need to seek wisdom. What is wisdom? In a moment here, I want to talk about what that wisdom looks like and how do we get it. But I love this verse in James 1, verse 5 to 8. You're facing these big decisions that I asked you to kind of hold on to and to be thinking about, right? If you need wisdom, ask. Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Right? Such people should never expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. See, if we just go through life blindly... If we don't have wisdom, we don't ask God what to do, we make rash decisions, we just kind of go with it, we're going to be tossed and turned and, and we're going to have a lot of regrets in life. But he's saying, ask for wisdom. You want that wisdom, ask for it. And you will become stable if you remain loyal and committed to God and saying, God, I want you to guide me and to lead me. The Bible gives us a lot of guidance, so we ask God for it, but what does it look like? How do we make these wise decisions? And that's what I want to talk about right now to, to the rest of our time. How to make a wise decision. I only have eight points, so buckle up. I'm not kidding. I got eight points, so we'll go through them a little quicker here. But, but, but write these down because 
Because you may be in the moment where you have to make this kind of decision, or it will come. Or maybe you can reflect back and say, hmm, had I gone through this, how might my decision have looked differently? So let me give you eight things here we learned from Scripture about how to make a wise decision. The first is this. Take your time. If you want to make a wise decision, take your time. The question you can ask yourself is, am I being pressured to make a decision? Whenever you're in a pressure moment to make a decision, whenever somebody's putting pressure on or you feel like, like you just don't have time, hit pause. You cannot make a great decision, in, a wise decision, when you're having to, to, to collapse the time frame. Proverbs 21.5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. It's the shortcuts. It's when we try to circumvent the system, when we try to just, ah, in the moment, we don't give thought and we don't give time to it. Rush decisions are rarely right decisions. So when we begin, you want to make a wise decision? Give yourself some space and time. Say, I need to step back for a moment and I need to get perspective. Now, what do we do in that space and time? The second is this. Turn to God's word. We, can, we have to start here. We have to begin with God's word. What does God's word say? So you're facing a situation. What does God's word say? Now, some things are specifically addressed in scriptures. Others are more indirectly addressed. Sometimes you have to look at the whole scope of scripture to understand what it means. But wisdom is always grounded in truth. Your decision, one thing I can tell you, your decision, if it's wise, cannot contradict God's word. If you make a decision that contradicts God's word, it is not a wise decision. God is not telling you to leave your spouse. Now, I'm not talking about abusive situations for your health and for your safety and for your well-being, but, but this idea of, you know, I, I, met a, I met another person at work, and God's telling me to leave my wife for them. I, I married the wrong person. That's God's word. That, doesn't, that contradicts God's word. God is not, you, you can't come to me and say, you know, God told me to live together with my boyfriend, with my girlfriend, because we love each other, and eventually we might get married. It's not in God's word. That is not a wise decision because that contradicts God's word. God is not telling you, to, you know, if you say, if somebody comes and says, you know what, God has told me that, that I should have an abortion because I'm just too young, because I can't take care of the child after it's born. I know that is not God's will. You know why? Because it's not in God's word. Thou shalt not kill. I knew you in the womb. See, Scripture can address very specifically, there's a lot of situations where if we just got into God's Word instead of trying to find wisdom everywhere else, begin at the source, the truth. The author of life gives us so much guidance. What are we doing? How do we lean into God's Word? How do we discover those truths? Jesus, after he taught the Sermon on the Mount, giving us all kinds of wisdom, he said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock we got to put these words into practice. So you deviate from God's word, already you know that's not a wise decision. So begin and turn to God's word. Third is this. Examine your experiences. Examine your experiences. The unexamined life is not worth living. You've heard that from Socrates. The unexamined life. If we're not paying attention and looking at our life and saying, God, what are we learning through this time? So the question is, what have I learned from past failures and wins? What have I learned from past failures and wins? And wouldn't you agree that we typically learn more from past failures than wins? Dissect the hard season. What did you learn? And that's why greater wisdom comes with age, because you have more experiences to evaluate. You have more things that you've lived through, more that we can understand, more experiences in that way. 
Have you heard the phrase, those who forget history are destined to repeat it? Right? I mean, that's that same idea. If we're not looking back, if we don't understand history and, and we think we just are the first ones ever to do that, we're going to make those same mistakes. Examine the, your past. Examine what was before. In Deuteronomy 4, 9, God says to the children of Israel about their experiences, but watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. And in the context, he's talking about times where they, were, they received blessings when they followed the Lord and, and, and the challenges that they faced when they worshiped other idols. He's saying, you've learned from that. Hold on to that. Don't go back there. You've experienced it before. Have you ever done something and said, nope, not doing that again? I've learned my lesson. That's wisdom speaking. That's wisdom saying, I learned something. I'm not doing that again. And now you're going to be wiser the next time around. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on That's, a, that's exactly what this is talking about, right? The, the first time, okay, I was fooled. But if I, if I do the same thing again, I'm the fool. I'm the one who, was, who, who didn't use wisdom. So examine your experiences. Number four, seek wise counsel. You want to make a wise decision? Seek wise counsel. And you ask yourself, how do trusted advisors see this situation? Proverbs 15, 22. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. You're probably not the first one that's ever gone through the situation. Yeah, your situation may be very unique to you, but there's going to be a lot of similarities that other people have probably experienced. Who are you surrounding yourself with when you're facing this decision, not just in your own um, head or in your own echo chamber? How do you get out to say, what are some perspectives on this? At Meadow Park, we have a board, and it's called the Advisory Council. It's called the Advisory Council. I love having an advisory council as the pastor of this church. We get together and say, here are the plans. Here are the things we're thinking about. Give godly advice. Men and women who serve on this, on this council, who we respect and who have wisdom and have insight and speak into situations. The staff that I get to sit with around the table, the other pastors and leaders in the church, there's wisdom when we make decisions and we lean into each other for that. Why do you do that in your personal life? Do you have an advisory council in your own life? Who might that be? Would that be parents and grandparents, some friends, some good friends, but those who understand what it is you're facing? Maybe in your business, you know, you want to increase your sales. Well, find somebody who's done that before, who's increased their sales, somebody who's gone through that before. Spend some time with them. Get to know them. Seek wise counsel. Fifth, we're already halfway through. Good job. Give yourselves a round of applause. You made it halfway through an eight-point message. I know, I know. I, I'm sorry. There's just a lot of steps to wisdom. Number five, look long. Look long. And the question you ask is, how will this decision impact my life and others' lives in 10 years? Now, we talked some more about this in the legacy question, right? What, what, what story do I want to tell? But, but play it out. What does this look like? What does this financial decision look like? What does this relational decision look like? What was, does this health decision look like? When it comes to, you know, opportunities and activities, play it out and imagine in 10 years from now, what will this look like? We don't want to have regrets. We want to write the kind of story that we're proud to tell. Number six, you want wisdom, make a wise decision, think about others. See, we get so focused on ourselves, what is the wise thing for me? But think about others, and you ask the question, does my decision benefit me, yet harm others? 
Lots of decisions like that. They may be good for me, but they might be bad for others. And so you have to weigh those things out. But biblically, what does it say in Philippians 2, verse 4? Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Right? Just the Bible says, like, like think about others. How many times, you know, as, as, as kids or as teenagers, we never think about our decisions and the impact that it has on parents? But you know, there's a group that meets here, you know, the, uh, a support group for parents of kids stuck in, ad- in addiction or who've died from, from drug overdoses. And there's a pain and there's struggle and there's challenge. Those decisions have impact on people all around you. And how many times have parents' decisions made negative impacts on kids? We're going to talk more about that next week in our last part of our series, asking the relational question, right? The impact on others. But think about, is it only good for me or does it harm others? The seventh point, how to make a wise decision. Honor Jesus. Does my decision help or harm the cause of Christ? Does my decision help or harm the cause of Christ? 1 Corinthians 10 says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, buying a car, buying a house, changing jobs, the person you date, the person you marry, the decisions you make on where to live, everything we do in daily life, how do we honor God? And that might not be a straight-up easy answer, but it deserves our time. God, how is my decision helping or harming the cause of Christ? Honor God. Honor Jesus. And then the eighth, we have to come back to this. If we want to make a wise decision, pray for discernment and peace. We need prayer. We need to submit this before God. Remember, asking for wisdom and praying, God, help me in this. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance and ultimately seeking peace. The question, is God giving me peace about this decision, even if it's challenging or disruptive? It's not just peace to avoid conflict. It's not peace to just not change anything up. Even in times where you have to step out, where you have to step out and lead, or you have to make a a difficult decision, is God giving you peace in that moment? Because in the end, you can ask all these other questions, but you need to submit them all before God and say, God, help me in this decision. How do I find peace? The scripture, well-known, Philippians 4, says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then here it comes. Then you will experience what? God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Can you make the kind of decision that in the end you say, you know, I'm at peace about this. That, that, that God has given me peace, and I believe this is what God would have me do. I've talked to others. I've taken my time. I've looked into God's word. I've thought about how it impacts other people. I've looked long. Here's what the implications of this in the long term. I've brought it before God. I want to honor Jesus in this. And he's given me peace. When, when Shannon and I have faced major decisions in our life, and even not so major decisions, we pray about it. We talk about it. One of the key pieces that we come to is, are you at peace about this decision? Is God giving us peace? And when we both are at peace, even about a disruptive or a challenging decision, we step forward. We trust God in that. But it's also when all of these other pieces have come together that God uses that. So think about it in different decisions in your life. You, you get a, the opportunity of a lifetime you've been waiting for at work, the promotion, the pay raise, the new office, but with that comes, more, it comes longer hours, and it comes with it comes more, more travel, and you may have to relocate and, you know, soon. What do you do? Yes, where do I sign? Right? Oh, wait, wisdom says 
take my time. I know somebody right now who has been, who has been offered a great opportunity, so, tremendous opportunity for change and financial and for family and all these different pieces, and it all seems to be pointing in that direction, but there's a moment of saying, no, 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 I'm committing some time to prayer for this. Even over half a year to say, before I make that decision, granted, you may lose an opportunity, I don't know, but take your time. And as you look at that and you say, okay, what does God's word say? What does God's word say about taking a promotion? Can you point to the, 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 the chapter and verse? Probably not. Probably not. The Bible doesn't give you a clear answer. Take the promotion. Don't take promotion. Turn down all promotions. No. no. You, so you look at Scripture and you read Scripture and you say, okay, God, what is this telling me? What do I feel? And sometimes you know there's a verse that jumps out at you that just resonates in your heart and you go, oh, I think God might be trying to tell me something. Or as you look into God's word, you think about what are my gifts and what are my passions and what am I good at? What have you gifted me at? Lord, show me, help me. You're, you're looking at God's word as you're trying to figure out what to do. And then you examine your experiences and you go back and you say, all right, um, how have I dealt with this before? Have I made good decisions when in my job, in my career? Did the, does my past seem to be lining up with this? What have I learned from those opportunities that I need to, you know, what, where do I need to go? What do I need to lean into? And you seek wise counsel. You get others around you. Hey, what do you think? I've been presented with this opportunity. It seems really good. I think I want to go for it, but I'm not sure. And, and what, what do you see? What have you experienced in your life? Have you made these kind of decisions? Maybe somebody who's in that kind of job already. Somebody who knows you. And maybe somebody says, you know what? I just don't see you in that role. I know it's a promotion, but you seem to thrive in this direction. Or have you thought about da-da-da-da-da? Seek the wise counsel. Look long. What's the impact of this? Not just right now. Don't just smell, you know, the new office and the pay raise and all that stuff. But what is the 10-year impact on this, on my family, on others, on my career, on my involvement in the church? What does that look like? Think about others. Ah, how does this impact my spouse? What's my husband going to think about this? How is this, this going to impact his life? How is this going to impact my wife's life? What about my kids? They don't see me. Maybe, maybe it's in this stage of life, this isn't a good move. Maybe I just need to pass it up and wait for the future. Or maybe this is exactly what we need for our family. But think about what is the impact on others around you. Is it just helping me and harming others? But we think about others. Does it honor Jesus? All right, I got to make this decision. Then you might say, well, it just seems to be a job. I don't know how that honors Jesus or not. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to, to bring hope and delight and to, to connect with others, and, and it's really a place where God's going to place you for influence like you've never had before. Or maybe you become so overwhelmed with what you need to do and where you need to travel and where you need to go that you no longer have time to go to church on Sunday mornings or to connect with your life group or to get in the Word, and all of a sudden you're going, I'm not honoring Christ in this. I don't know. You have to ask those questions. How do I honor Jesus? And then in the end, you have peace. We pray for that discernment. God, give me a piece about this and, and help us to, to arrive at a conclusion. You know, that's, that's what we, we pray for because we want that peace that surpasses all understanding. When we make good decisions, we come to this place in our life where wisdom just brings us wholeness. Wisdom is what brings us peace. Wisdom is what gives us that clear conscience to make the kind of decisions where we look back on life and go, God, you have really been guiding me in the right path. When we've made mistakes, we have the wisdom to, to get back on the right path. Because in the end, when we can say, God, it is well in my soul. It is whole within me. I feel at peace in what I'm doing. That's the kind of life that we want to live. How do you experience that in your life? You ask God, give me wisdom. Guide me in this. What's the wise thing to do? I ask you to think about that decision that you might be facing right now or 
that you see looming on the horizon or maybe as you look back, what's the wise thing to do? Take your time. Go through these things. Submit it to God and let him guide and lead you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for wisdom and how it speaks, God, and that you give wisdom when we ask. Father, we want to be a people that makes good decisions, God-honoring decisions, decisions that, that bring others and lead others forward, our family, our friends, our church, God, that, that honor you, that make a difference in this world, that impact our culture and the world around us. Give us wisdom, each and every one of us, right now in the situations that we are facing. Father, help us not to just live trying to not do wrong or just trying to stay away from the edge of the line, but help us to find the freedom as we move towards you. And Jesus, we need you. And the best decision we can ever make is a decision to follow you, to surrender our lives to you, to surrender our lives to your word, to your truth, to your leading. And Father, if we've gotten off track, may wisdom speak to us and call us back. God, may your love and your embrace call us back to the right path and say, come, follow me. Lord, we ask for your guidance. We ask for your peace. We ask for it within us, God, in our heart, in our soul, free and surrendered to you. We love you and we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.